0: It's Özlem Özkan and this is Bridging, a podcast which will take you on a bridge to somewhere else, sometimes somewhere familiar and sometimes somewhere new. In Bridging, I interview life experts with a story to share. Stories of entrepreneurship, cultural diversity, self-empowerment, personal growth and other topics that shape our universe. I am so honored to have Nakina Cromarty as my guest for episode 5 of Bridging. Nakina is an African-American woman with a level of faith, courage and bravery. So I have asked Nakina to join me for Bridging, especially in an age of Black Lives Matter. While Nakina believes that she is not defined by the perceptions of others and her skin color, She strongly believes that contribution to the world starts with getting down to the art of self and also getting in alignment with your true intentions. She visits often a place of stillness to become much more centered in life. Here's Nakina. It's really nice having you here. Welcome, Nakina Cromarty Thank
1: you, Ms. Ozalem. Super excited to be here. Thank you
0: first of all i would like to ask a little bit about uh your educational background mm-hmm. you know we have been having different kind of chats when we met in denmark mm-hmm. and you were to the florida agriculture and me- mechanical university yes and you know after i did a little bit of research first of all it didn't say that much to me you know i was born and raised here and i wasn't sure about okay what is this university about But after I did some research and the chats we had together, like, you know, it's a historical black college. But someone as me coming from Europe, I mean, I was never, I didn't know anything about black colleges. Do they even exist and black? What does it mean to be part of a
1: black historical college in the States? Thank you for that question, um, Oslam. I actually... As someone of, um, as a Black American or African American descent from an ethnicity perspective, I actually never anticipated on going to an um, historically Black college or university. That's what HBCU stands for, historically Black colleges and universities. Um, And the origin of HBCUs actually came um, at a time where individuals of um, African American descent or darker complexions or minorities were facing a lot of racial um, discrimination. So it was rooted back to actually a Supreme Court ruling um, back in 1896 that sanctioned laws to keep Blacks or African Americans from sharing the same buses, schools, and other public facilities actually as whites or Caucasians. And at this time, this really was known as the Jim Crow laws. And it wasn't until actually 1954 when there was a Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka, where the Supreme Court came back and had a unanimous ruling that it was unconstitutional to actually racially separate or segregate students in the schools based on the color of your skin. And so this opportunity to attend Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University at such a time in my life actually was quite um, empowering and enriching. Um, I think it was quite nourishing to see um, a sea of people who look like me, but a rainbow um, because we range from fair to um, some of the darker complexions. And so the challenges of seeing um, individuals who look like me and also some coming from different statuses of socioeconomic standings. From my background as someone who's always been a minority, actually, being that my dad was in the Coast Guard, um, we traveled um, to various locations and I always ended up being um, one of the only Black Americans or African American girls in a class. So now to be actually in a majority um, situation, I naturally had the question or the inclination my freshman year, which was 2007. What um, is freshman
0: year for the people in Europe? What does it mean, freshman year?
1: Freshman year um, in the sense of, you know, it's your first year of university or of high school. um, So in that respect. And so going being a part of this as also a first generation, a first generational student, um, which pretty much means um, in my family, being one of the first um, to go to a university and actually graduate as well is also um, quite important. But going there um, has been, I think, life altering. Um, It added a lot of, like I said, empowerment to, who I am, what I stand for, beyond the color of my skin. It's actually at the end of the day, it's not about you know what you look like. It truly is about you know your value, your worth, and so getting there actually helped me form the question or the understanding of what type of legacy do I want to leave behind beyond you know the color of my skin. Yes, I'm immersed in a a space. Um, of individuals who look like me, but we all come from various walks of life. And so I think that's the empowering um, part or portion of my journey at this HBCU. But the question that it triggered in me was, even in the sea of individuals who look like me, what type of legacy, um, Nikina, would you like to leave behind? And that truly is uh, the question and the journey that I've been on. Um, ever since. So you know, uh,
0: to just sum it up a little bit about you know my mm-hmm. initial question, the historical black colleges and you told me about, you know, it started to create equal opportunities for black or African American
1: people. Just uh, mm-hmm. do, did I understand this right? For sure, um, and just to extend, it's historically black colleges and universities.
0: And universities, okay. Mm-hmm. But this, this when did this start exactly? Which year
1: was it that they started to create these universities? So the formation of Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University came in 1887, actually, during a time um, they were known as the State Normal College for Colored Students. Started with two instructors, 15 students. But during a season in our society where Jim Crow laws were still being enforced, And for those that may not know, um, Jim Crow laws were state and local um, enforced laws that were okay with this racial uh, segregation or separation, meaning that we're separate but equal. And if I can put it in modern day language, you can't sit with us. And that meaning us in the sense of you can't sit with or hang with whites or Caucasians if you are black or black American or just minority of a different um, ethnicity. That's really the the formation of why HBCUs became so pivotal during a time where um, higher education was not being afforded to individuals um, who look like me.
0: But, you know, when you started studying there, that was 10 years ago, maybe... 12 13 Mm -hmm. years ago did you feel that uh you had to join one of these universities in order to feel the same rights as the non-black non-african american americans um how was it like what was your feeling about the equality back then like what if you had joined another university like I don't know, let me just call it MIT or any mm. other university where there are not only Black or off. Afri- I don't know if actually how I even say it, Black American students, but mixed students, right? Like there are... Uh, I don't really... I'm not really a fan, honestly, using the Black and White or Asian or Hispanic. I know that these terms are used in the States have you considered if you would have gone to a university where there were mixed students from different ethnic backgrounds, would you have felt equal? And would you think that you would get the same rights
1: as everyone would get? Um, thank you for the question. And I guess just to allow me to bring clarity here, um, attending an HBCU does not mean that it's specifically only Black Americans or African Americans that attend. It actually is a diversified um, community as well. It's just that this was the the built of the university, the institution, at a time where individuals were not allowed, right? I just want to be clear that it is not only black people but what is the majority i would say majority is african-american or black americans
0: so what what about like then you know being at a university which has the name historically black university do you do you think there would be a difference for you if you would have joined a non-historically black university um instead of the did did you feel more home like this black you know because your color your darker skins in my opinion that's what i am thinking darker skin than
1: me it's actually not about feeling like you fit in or equality um because equality is not of any i mean you can still be with individuals that look like you um and still not feel equal right Um, So it's not about being and going to an institution that makes me feel like I'm equal now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not about just to bring further understanding and clarity. You know, we're not walking around saying, you know, I went to, and, you know, just this HBCU so I could feel like I'm one, um, we're equal. It's not, it's not, that thinking is not like that. Um, I can easily has as well gone to the University of South Florida or Harvard or MIT um, and felt the same capacity to bring all Mm -hmm. of who I am as an individual. So I think just to, you know, open that up, it's not solely about I chose to, I chose, it was a choice um, to go because I wanted to experience what that experience is. Is just a mark of um, appreciation for an institution that gave higher education or an opportunity for individuals like myself be, beyond me um, getting there. Two thousand and seven, but individuals back in nineteen sixty four, you know, an opportunity to, and beyond that, actually, because we were birthed in eighteen eighty seven, an opportunity to actually go for higher education during a, a time in our culture where racial um, racial discrimination um, was at its highest, um, where right. we were not equal. So right. I just, I think I want to make sure that it's edified in a way that individuals know it's, it's more about the richness of the history um, that this institution was birth out of. Um, it is not about me thinking, you know, I am better than, or I'm more black. Um, if I go to an HBCU, it is more about the richness and the history, the opportunities that this institution provided for individuals who look like me at a time where opportunities were not, um, offered. Um, so, so that's, That's the richness. So, I want people to know that it is about the legacy.
0: It's like, you know, I can also feel a proudness. Like, you might be also, even also, not a black American, like, you know, someone with a lighter color, but you might be still proud to be part of a university with a legacy which has provided equal rights for people regardless of their skin color. color.
1: Correct. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. it, it, It could be like it would be maybe a. Uh, why historically white college, and you might still be a black American, but because of the legacy that you really love the people providing the uh, equal opportunities and being part of that, I-, I-, I can feel it strongly. It is not about the black or the white.
1: For sure. and it's just like any institution that you know mm-hmm. you choose to attend or any opportunity that you're choosing to attend, I bought into the history, um, the legacy, um, and the opportunity that they, um, that they've offered. Um,
0: what was, what was the biggest thing that you have learned in this university that you still carry with you? Um, one of the
1: most important things that this time taught me actually was, um, you know, really belief in self, but also a level of humility because at the, the epitomist or the epitome of any leadership role, I think it is birthed from just a place of being humble and humble. And, um, that, that level of humility of just wanting to, um, connect, but also to show people I'm just like you, um, we're no different. Um, and so I think for me, humility was birthed, um, a level of just meekness. And I've been learning a lot about this word. And and that's just like a level of being disciplined in the waiting and um, anticipation of what's to come. Um, and so yeah. I think for me, those are some of the, the principles or the attributes that continue to resonate in me as I continue to move mm-hmm. forward. Because as I'm now learning, many of the roles or capacities in leadership that I've help prior to um, us meeting in Denmark, actually they just continue to enrich my toolbox of principles. Um, So sometimes it's naturally as we're moving and grooving through life, we look at all of the opportunities and the experiences that we've shared or had. But when you really start looking back in retrospect or hindsight 2020, you start looking actually at the principles that were attained or received. And I would say that those were some of the most, um, a level of confidence, um, inner strength, um, humility, um, drive. And so, so yeah, very appreciative. Okay. So, uh, Nakina, mm-hmm. I,
0: uh, I'm not really well-educated, I would say, about the American culture. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't, let me say, I wasn't really well-educated about it. I didn't know that much American people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I never had even an interest to go to the States until 2014. It was the first time that I visited the United States. It it was New York, you know, a few other uh, states and cities. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it was really interesting to be in a country where it's built by immigrants, you know, all people from all over the world. And, you know, I was even thinking about working there. I was looking at different schools and uh, where could I work. You know, I used to teach back that time. And for me, what was really interesting was on the website of different schools. I haven't looked at one. I have looked at so many. You know, I could see, for example, so uh, like, let's say 40% white, 30% black, uh, 20% Hispanic. 10% 10% Asian and for me as a some european i was kind of in shock because i wasn't really used to this language uh, and you know i i grew up with different people and we never really talked about skin colors you know there were lighter people than me darker people than me uh, uh, blonde hair dark hair f- for me, I was like, why do these schools even like name so many blacks, so many whites, so many Hispanic? As someone, for me, you know, Nakina Cromarty with a darker skin color, in your words, black American or African American. How was that for you being born and raised as an American in Florida and having a darker skin color?
1: I think the thing is, um, as we continue in this conversation to to edify, I think one of the things is I don't actually wake up in the morning um, and look at myself and say, you know what, you have, you know, your darker skin complexion or just being a brown skin girl. um, These are the things you're going to face today. Um, So I don't look at the world in that that light. I look at myself Mm -hmm. as any individual. But I think in any area that we go in, um, yes, there are differences that you may experience based on um, certain maybe attributes. So I think it's more about the prejudices or the judgments that we may have. To answer your question, yes, our society has been kind of built on this percentage of you know, whites or Caucasians or Native Americans or Native Indians or Blacks or Black Americans. Um, But it's also the origin. You have to start looking back at the history and the the birthing place of a country that has been built on 400, yeah, 400 years um, of slavery, right? And so when a people come uh, to a country as a level of property, as a level of capital goods, you know, I have to look at um, look at that as it still has played into the, the, the systemic um, institutions that are still um, prevalent in America today. So what you're experiencing maybe as a European or as a Turkish or a a Dutch um, woman, um, whoever you are, I think you start looking at the history, right? Um, and that will help provide you a level of insight as to maybe why you, um, you know, that search where you're looking and an institution is kind of mentioning, you know, they're comprised of 80% of, um, you know, uh, white or Caucasian, and then maybe 10% of minorities and minorities, you know, including black Americans or native Indians or Hispanics. Um, And so that would help to really bridge that gap of understanding there.
0: Do do, do you feel nowadays, nowadays into 2020, do you feel in your experience judged, or do you feel that people have prejudice because of your skin color?
1: back in Florida or anywhere else in the States? Well, for me, that is not (laughs) for me to determine. I think there are a lot of actions that we can see in the media right now. I mean, there's just a case right now in Minnesota.
0: Indeed, George Floyd. Yeah,
1: exactly, with George Floyd. Um, And so it's not for me to determine, you know, the judgments of others and how they view me or look at me, right? It's for me to stand in a level of knowing of who I am, my own being, my presence, and what I have to offer. Because if I continue to look at every opportunity or every stare, um, every, um, thing that may come against me or has come against me before, or every, um, comment that doesn't feel good, or I could classify it as something that does a disservice to myself in the trajectory or the, the progress of what it is that I'm wanting to create, um, for my own future family. So for me, I'm learning and I have learned that it is not my business of what you think of me. It is not, Mm. um, that is not my business because if I'm concerned about what you're thinking about me, then I can't get about the business of being who God has created me to be right. Or the call that is over my life or the purpose. Um, because there are people that I am called to serve who don't maybe want me to serve them, but it is not for me to decide if I give them a level of service, right? It's just like going into a restaurant, um, and you sitting down and you want to be served. I can't decide, you know what, today I'm not going to serve Ozlem because she has long hair and she's wearing yeah. a red lipstick, right? I'm going to, <laughs> you know, that's your signature trait. Um, yeah, I'm going to service you anyways, because that is the call, right? That's the assignment of the day. So that is really a little bit about, you know, my thinking, my mindset. You do not
0: really define yourself by how others perceive you.
1: For sure, that's what I understand. I would extend it. Saying, Anyone, yeah. you know, that has to be the um, the birthing place um, that we get to, and a staying, a staying power, actually, to stay in that. And it is hard. I mean, I know, like I said, I've not mastered it. I know that there are moments that I've shared in Denmark, or moments um, that I've, you know, kind of journeyed just across the globe. And I, like I said, I've experienced moments that I could classify as something, but I've learned as I'm maturing, you have to be mindful of how you define a situation, because that definition will birth a level of response of how you mm-hmm. will speak to it and also how you move through it. Right. Yeah. And so I think in anything that we do, I just challenge us all to be careful of how we um, define things, um, how we judge things. So I think sometimes it keeps me quite quiet, right? It keeps me quite sometimes silent. And I think this is something that I've learned from my years of living in Denmark, that it, it shouldn't be silent about it, right? I should mm-hmm. go ahead and have the conversation. And I'm so thankful um, for bridging because you offer that level of um, insight so that we can bridge you know, some understanding and having maybe the insightful conversations to bring maybe some clarity um, to those yeah. who are ready for clarity. Because I've also learned that you can bring someone into the atmosphere and provide them with insight but they have to also be willing and open mm-hmm. and ready to receive that, right? Yes so, yes, so I think we're just in a um, a state where I would hope to challenge everyone, including myself. I'm constantly in a challenge to continue to stay open and remain open to to learning. Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, about defining yourself and not by what others say or mm-hmm. think. know i myself had a lot of difficulties with that during high school college in my 20s you know when someone said something about me i was kind of making their belief system mine Mm -hmm. and you know the more i did i did self-examination the more i uh, was connected with myself and really tell myself what i believed i just let a lot of judgments and or outside information go Mm. but i'm really curious of like you know how did you get to that level of understanding you are a young woman in your 30s and there are many many young women out there and young men i'm really interested to know how did you get to that level that you would let go or maybe pay less and less attention to
1: the outside voice um yeah i think it's such a great question and it's like i have kind of mentioned earlier it's definitely a place i'm constantly evolving in um, because it's it's one it's not a place that you truly arrive at it is a progressive learning um and every season it looks different and so for me it does take a lot of the time of getting still for myself, um, understanding my own level of self worth, and I think this comes back to some learnings that I have learned during the seasons of living abroad, and you know, to be able to own who you are in a way that um, you don't waver on your authenticity and waver on understanding that you have value no matter where you are placed or no matter where you go, even if those who are near or around don't see that in you. So I think it's this constant refreshing and keeping your cup um, full of what you know, right? I think it's fulfilling, um, keeping yourself really immersed in knowing And how do you do that? That is something that you have to explore within yourself because I think it looks different for everyone. I think there are things in you that are strong and playing to those strengths also bring a level of knowing. Also testing things that you're interested in, a level of spontaneity, that also enriches, enriches a level of knowing too because then you can start strengthening those areas that, you know, I don't do well, and maybe, you know, I can still give some energy towards that. But it lets you know, like, you know what, in this space, I'm probably going to need some level of assistance. So it brings a level of awareness. And so I think with the level of knowing, and wrong respect, and also that openness to birth some new consciousness, um, or awareness, in those areas that, you know, maybe I'm not as proficient in, um, I think that is how you start to cultivate that, that space of, you know, you can start dismissing um, or not, it's not dismissing, but not really paying atti- uh, attention to those things that don't service you. Um, because, yeah, you know, I mean, I think we've all experienced moments where um, we've been in situations where we've not felt good, but it also is those moments that we've, put or placed a lot of attention on. And so we start continuously cultivating what we put all of our attention on. Um, it's like the girl or the, the guy that doesn't like you. Um, if you continue to focus on the fact that they don't like you, um, or the fact that you've been rejected, or the fact that no one chose you to be on their team for that kickball team when you were in, um, <laughs> In grade school or elementary school, you kind of get lost in the fact that you weren't chose or lost in the fact of, you know, what's wrong with me? You then start asking questions yeah, um, like that. What's, what's wrong, wrong with, with me? me? That's the question. You know, why didn't I get chose? Um, instead of just seeing it as, you know what? Maybe right now is not the time that perhaps I should be, you know, doing this or, maybe right now, do I really, like, what was my true intentions of wanting to, to do this or to do that? You know, it starts getting back to, you know, motives or intent. Um And so that is, for me, how I've been developing this level of knowing or level of um, doing the conscious work, is getting truly down to the, we would call it more of the iceberg effect, you know, that underlying reason or the intentions, my motives for doing what I'm doing. It's the reason why I wanted to actually move abroad. Um, my intent actually was to continuously enrich myself as a, a, an individual in this society so that I could give from that place because I never want to be in a space where you know, I'm speaking um, about something that I've not experienced. I think experience is the greatest um, teacher or the lessons that we can learn to be able to offer um, fresh insight, right, to individuals who may not have actually experienced it. But now that I have had that experience, I can give from that place. So those are some of, you know, how I of move through that knowing a level of awareness and wanting to immerse myself physically in the experience so that I can you know birth understanding and insight from the the moments that were shared so so
0: you are saying a lot about intense and intention you know and the experience you want to experience from being there instead of looking at from another site Yes. I know your story about like, you know, you you were working in the States as an accountant or later on registered, registered accountant at one of the very famous companies, let's say, you know, well-known companies that uh, yeah. many people that have studied accountancy or uh, economics would like to work for multinational consultancy firm, I would say. Uh, yes, you know, you had something with fashion fashion Mm. was your thing since you were a child you did sewing you made clothes for yourself for your friends and there came a moment a season as you always say in your life that you really felt exploring that area Mm -hmm. And I remember that you were telling me that uh, you you uh, applied for this international business trainee program in Denmark where we met each other after your application you quit your job you moved to Arizona and you told me this sentence you said I stepped into faith you are not hired yet you did not have your job anymore you even returned uh, you it returns your Uh, house to the landlord, what kind of courage was it that you had back then that you stepped into faith?
1: Hmm. (sighs) Um, Such a a very powerful moment, actually. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, Yeah, such a powerful moment, actually. (laughs) Just thinking about it, actually, it brings um, so many feelings and emotions, actually, to me. Of that time in my life, um, and then just to kind of go back to it, actually, a lot of this was birth um, when I was twelve. I attended a program um, in the Saint Petersburg, Saint Petersburg, Florida area, um, which taught me uh, how to quilt. So a lot of my love for fashion actually came from learning this um, this skill set of quilting and sewing. And ever since then, my love relationship with that, um, <laughs> with that trait or skill set, has really been just a level of peace. At a younger age, at that twelve um, arena, to have a level of peace or an outlet, in a, a form that could express yourself, um, a level of individuality, while also in in I think just really nourishing um, a place of tranquility within. I think it's such a powerful thing to have. Um, and I didn't even really I probably didn't realize how powerful it was <laughs> at such a young age. But now, at the age of 30 um, one, I see that that was my oyster, um, and everything has been birthed from that place. So um, my journey to Denmark started actually as a, a little girl, um, just learning how to quilt at the age of 12. Going to Denmark and um, working for a sustainable apparel brand, I think that journey to that um, to that place has always been just a knowing as a believer, actually, um, in something greater than myself. Um, as someone who believes in God and Jesus Christ, I've always had a a spiritual knowing that I not only myself, but I think all of us are destined for greatness um it is up to us to work with that higher and truer self that lies within us um that higher power whoever or whatever that is for all of us um it is our duty to or our responsibility to tap into that so that our greatness can be birthed and i think and me sharing my faith walk it was an acronym for me it was a moment of an epiphany actually at the what year 2015 actually I was working at a company I was happy you know everything was financially safe stable had my own place car I think in America we're just so built on having our own a level of independency um, a level of stability these are just attributes that I think as a society and from a cultural perspective you're kind of social or i think it's just a normal or a standard um to be in and so being that i had attained that in my own form of um in the accounting um industry that i had what matriculated into from my bachelor's of science um in the mba of course i didn't know that that wasn't going to be the thing that would satisfy me fully and so, 2015 was quite an interesting year because this was my epiphany moment, where I was just like, you know. But there were so many things that you wanted to um, to go after, and I could feel it within myself. I think there's, we all have those moments where you're doing something the daily, or you get caught in doing the daily doings to the point where you're like, but this wasn't all that I could see for myself or thought for myself and I had that moment actually and I remember it vividly because it was in October 2015 and it scared me so because I was like but what are we gonna do about it so I took a moment to get still so I did my own um for some would say Ramadan but for me it was just a level of fasting and praying for a whole month um and I did do kind of the same time frame of a a Ramadan from sunup to sundown, where I literally just focused on, you know, what do we want? How do we want to change the trajectory of your life in this season? So for the whole month of November 2015, I did that. I just focused on where do we want to go? What do we want? Um, how do we get there? And by the end of November, I knew that I needed to go ahead and make the transition, but I was too afraid, actually. So that's another thing that we are constantly learning It's about fear, right? The false evidence of things appearing real um, when in actuality it's just false. Um, And so I had to learn how to embrace the the level of, um, and all fear is not bad. So I had to love um, to embrace that, but move anyways, right? But I wasn't ready. And so 2016 came around I ended up writing out those goals, those those ideas, and it actually happened to be three. One of them was to move into the fashion industry. I wanted to transfer into the fashion industry from accounting. The second one was, was to learn a foreign language. Um, at the time I was wanting to learn Spanish to kind of wrap that up from high school. Um, and then third one was actually to move abroad because I had already had an opportunity through my accounting practice uh, years to travel to various countries. And so that was kind of the time frame that that was birthed. Later on that month, I attended a, um, a breakfast. Annually, they do a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast. Um, and the speaker was talking about walking, walking in purpose. And after this moment, I had already drafted the resignation letter when I first had the inclination that I needed to go ahead and make the shift. I just was not ready to go ahead and submit it. But lo and behold, after this keynote speaker, the next day I I gave the notice um, to the company and they were really shocked because I was doing well or the comments that were mentioned to me was like, you're awesome, you're doing well, we're so grateful to have you be a part of the team. And at the time, few months um, back, they had just promoted me, and I wanted to stay, but I felt like I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't go after that extra breath that was um, trying to actually inhale and exhale within me. And so I just took that leap, um, and that's all that that was. Um, So my faith actually, and it was an acronym at that time, was to get in a place of focus, um, a place of action, in a place of intimacy, actually, with my higher belief, which, like I stated, it was God and just believing in Jesus Christ. And so it was a level of intimacy with Him and focusing on that relationship in my actions to do the walking out of what it was that I was believing in. And lo and behold, after my three weeks um, of working and putting in that notice, that is when I came across the ibt the international business incubator the trainee program you know got that opportunity to be a part of a fortunate to be selected or chosen out of 1200 um down narrowed down to 20 um to be a part of and so i didn't know exactly how i was going to get there i just put forth the intent right and i think that's the the development there for anyone out there wanting to change the trajectory or shift anything in your life, have any type of paradigm shift. Number one, put out, acknowledge that you want something different. And secondly, go ahead and start walking or putting out the truest, your highest intent for what it is that you're seeking. Because I genuinely believe that that's what the faith um, faith is is walking in the things that are unseen but believing so in
0: the things mm -hmm. that are unseen
1: but believing it in such an intensity or a strength that the thing that you are hoping for it it really is the evidence of um it's being birthed from the things that you right now can't fully see but just that the power it, it it really is like inner strength inner knowing it goes back to what you know and so That was what I was willing to invest in myself and what I was willing to risk. And I risked everything. I mean, I didn't have, um, like you said, I went ahead after um, the notice my last day, which was February 5th. I remember the days because everything happened so quickly um, that if I didn't act on my own intuition or the instincts that I could feel that were coming um, from something greater than myself, I could have very well have missed, you know, that opportunity to put in um, to be a part of the incoming class of, um, you know, the international business incubator that we were a part of. And within literally um, that time span of February to June, that is when I found out, you know, that I would be moving um, to Denmark for what, at least two years, because I'm always a person who I've always known that you know, no matter how long I would be there, I would want to complete the program. I believe in finishing what I start, um, no matter the intensity, the struggles, the challenges, or those strengths, those areas that, you know, the stretching points, um, those moments that don't feel good, but you must go through it to learn, right? Um, to gain another level of um, skills that you can put in your toolbox. I didn't know that within, what, four, five months, I would literally change the trajectory of my current life. But I think from a legacy perspective, rooting back to my days at um, Florida AM University, I think it just is going to change the trajectory of my, my children's life. Because when you're exposed mm. to something that is greater than anything that you have anticipated for yourself, you're not only changing what you're doing right now or seeing right now, but you have the, the ability and the passion and the compassion to change the trajectory of things that are unseen. So I know my story may not be anything different from anyone else. Maybe the, the details are, but that level of faith and courage and bravery is no different from those who step out on things that they just believe in. It's no different than you believing that this bridging podcast is going to help bridge and break um barriers um between our understanding of you know lives like myself from yours or anyone else's um for the matter and so
0: kina you you talk like honey and milk it's so sweet (laughs) the way you talk i just i'm just kind of like give me more i can listen to you for Hours,
1: it's exciting hours. you know i'm just excited for all of us that i'm excited that there's so much goodness in all of us even if some may not recognize it or point it out um it's up to us to point it out for ourselves number one that knowing but it excites me that we can have conversation like this and we're from a different background right it excites me that we align in many values that's what brought our relationship quite close um, is the alignment and values. And I think that is what I would hope to extend or contribute from this conversation is align ourselves with the values of people. Because when you do, you will start seeing that we're really not different. (laughs) We really don't have um, there. The differences die um, because we value the same thing. We value our being. Um, which births our present. and so so nakina you talk
0: about you know the goodness that you believe mm. in all humanity all human beings i i even felt like for a moment when you were talking i was like are you a saint or something you know <laughs> no. and um so you know after leaping into faith mm. walking into faith yeah you got that you were hired at this program and you moved to denmark and in the program you also live for a bit in istanbul turkey yeah. you live for a bit in china and different places in china and i'm really curious to hear you know you are a person that does a lot of self-examination yeah. what was um, another like the opposite side of goodness I, I, I want to use actually the evil side, but what were the things that you learned about yourself that you did not know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, were you only good? Or did you only see the goodness in you? Or are there things that you have recognized in you? For example, giving from my own perspective a sem- example, when I was living in Denmark together with you in that, you know, these years. I didn't know back that time, but... After I moved back to Amsterdam, I realized how judgmental I was towards some of my colleagues. So actually in the whole program, I was one of the oldest in the program and I really thought I'm the wisest. I didn't tell them, but in my being, I'm the wisest. I know much better. I have much more experience. And, you know, back then I felt like I cannot connect to these people. You know, they we have different interests, this and that. But after doing self-examination, after the whole thing, I realized I was such a judgmental person towards other people. Mm. This is what I learned. So what is something you learned about
1: yourself? Yeah, um, thank you also for sharing, number one, the question, but also your example. And I think the biggest thing I would say that I learned is the power of communication in a space where I felt that I was the most vulnerable like it was the area that I, I believe that I, um, before coming, I did very well. A place where I thought, okay, you communicate well, you know how to connect well, just from my own background and space of leadership um, and having had those experiences. I always thought that I was a great communicator um, and a connector. And I felt like this was the area that I was most tried in actually during my season in Denmark and I didn't really know and not specifically to Denmark um, just my time abroad because I felt like this was the greatest moment to share more about who I am where I'm coming from um, from my perspective right and I felt like this was the area I was most tried in I felt that it was the area I was most stretched in um, and the area that I was most challenged in In most days, I actually felt that I had almost felt myself in this space. There was still that inner knowing that it's like, you know, maybe you, maybe there's a different way that you need to communicate here. You know, that, that learner or the student in me, because I think in anything that we go through in life, if you look at it from a perspective of being a student or what can I learn new from this? Um, You walk away with, you know, I call them wisdom nuggets or just some gems that you can now add value somewhere else. And this was an area that stretched me the, the most. And I think it was the area that made me the most insecure to a point where I wasn't able to fully produce in the way that I was used to or leading in a way that, you know, I had seen myself do before. To also now, um, in hindsight, um, want to have conversations to ensure um, that those conversations not only talk about, bring perspective, but just perspective that edifies, that adds value, Um, not only, you know, to be in the room or be in the presence of just, you know, oh, what is everyone else talking about, but making sure that I contribute. Um, I've always thought of myself, it's on my vision board as someone to, as a contributor, but to contribute, you have to get down to the art of self. You have to know self at a greater, um, at a greater capacity. And of course you're always evolving. So the contributions will always evolve as well. Um, I thought of myself as a contributor, a great communicator, um,
0: what do you think? Like, what was the way that you were communicating
1: when being in Denmark? Um, if you look at it back now, yeah. I mean, in most places, I actually communicated very much like you may feel now. I'm very passionate about certain topics, um. So you can feel that in the, in when I'm articulating and when I'm when I am speaking. I don't know. I think just the energy. Um, I allow the energies of others to kind of shift me from my own energy and my own capacity of maybe wanting to share. So I think just as much as earlier on in this conversation, I spoke from having that inner knowing during that season, I felt like there was some wavering in my own inner knowing, right? And that constant, that constant battle of, you know, is this the right thing or not the right thing because I'm now in a foreign land. So that also adds some level of, some level of um, uncertainty um, of what is right. What is the decorum in this space? So I think in the instability of not knowing um, the atmosphere or the environment, it creates um, this level of, should I say this? Should I not say this? Will this hinder, will this hinder uh, a relationship? Am I saying it, Um, am I saying it right? And definitely as a native um, American speaker where I'm in a country, you know, of course they speak English or traveling to various places that some speak English, but maybe their insecurity of their English not being as astute or as well as a native English speaker, that also shifted me to say, you know what, Keena, maybe we need to shift in how we speak instead of just standing firm in my own authenticity of communicating the way I I know best.
0: Like, were you afraid that you would get hurt if you would say something?
1: I think all of us get afraid. And I think just to speak specific to What about you? What about you, Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think during seasons like that, you don't know, like I just was expressing, you don't know proper decorum um, in these various countries. And so naturally you are more prone to kind of pull back maybe from what you would say. I don't think I did that all of the time, but I do think a fraction of my time living abroad or I felt like I could not speak to the full truth of what it was that you know I always wanted to articulate. And I know in my previous uh, younger years, I also was a perfectionist. So I think it's also birthed from that place of wanting to do it in the right manner. Sometimes not wanting to get it wrong creates also that tension of, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything at all. Um, And then when you don't do that, when you don't contribute or offer insight, it leaves a lot Um, of uncertainty or things for people to, you know, judge or create their level of opinion about what you've done, your actions, who you are, Um, instead of just expressing that this is who I be. um, And like I said, standing in that acknowledgement um, of who you are with full authenticity and full range Um, to just be
0: you know we have had so many many chats together in Denmark you know we traveled through also in the Middle East uh, other places of the world yes and we shared a lot yes and you know I I always actually see a perfect Nakina always good Nakina she knows a lot Nakina she's very positive Nakina she has also struggles yes but I actually have never ever heard from you in words, eh? I might have felt it, by the way, but I never heard it in words that you judged someone else.
1: I'm just really curious. Like, have you ever judged people? Did this happen? Um, Define judgment for me, actually, from your perspective. Because...
0: Okay, that's, that's a very good one. Like, for example, what I have realized, you know, over the years is each time... When I find it difficult to open myself, when I find it difficult to connect, there's some judgment going on. One part is partly about myself. Oh my God, if I would say this, what would they think? Or if I would do this, what would they think? But usually, in my case, there's always a judgment also towards others going on. I feel like separated. I've, you know, I might feel like they won't understand me. That's already a judgment for me. I call it a judgment or uh, they would react differently. They haven't have the same education as me. Uh, she comes from another culture. She wouldn't understand me. You know, I am already labeling with a judgment. I'm not looking at it from a neutral viewpoint, right? Did I explain my question
1: well? Yes, you did. Thank you, actually, for the explanation. Just to ensure, of course, I think I exercise some judgment about myself. Like I was just articulating, I think those levels of insecurities within me, can I communicate effectively here? And also just through some interactions and conversation during my time there, just in the language barrier of, you know, working in a Danish uh, company and, you know, their native language uh, being Danish, it also puts you at a place where it's like, okay, can I do this adequately so there's a judgment about myself already of course cultural differences too of our dynamics of being in a group um that was quite diversified yeah um, 16 nationalities coming from all countries yeah exactly 16 nationalities um that also brings you know into play those cultural norms that or social norms that you know, as an American, um, we have, or as a black American or African American, I naturally have coming from my own background. So that creates some judgments as well within myself. So I think a lot of it is coming from my own, um, understanding of who I am and some of those insecurities of, will it be received, right? Will I be received? And so, yeah, I think naturally judgment is, um, that's every it's every day. I I also have expectation about who I am and what what I would like to offer. And so,
0: did did you ever feel that expectation that you are having from yourself, what you want to be,
1: got actually in the way of who you really are? Um, I don't. I fully. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I think my expectation. Um or what I had hoped to receive and experience and to offer. Um, I think I experienced everything that I really would hope to have experienced. I think, of course, there's always things that you know, can always be better. Um, but to my point, I think earlier, I think I would do myself a disservice to try to want for something that didn't actually happen. Um, because then that keeps me evolving or revolving. Um, and I think everything that I've experienced is what I should have experienced. I don't discount maybe the thought that you can always experience more and to contribute more. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that respect, I would have always wanted to offer even more of myself to the experience um, of my time abroad, if I hadn't already done enough. Um, and I think that's where it became for me very important, but I think naturally I will, you know, I have my own self or my expectations of who, um, who I would like to be, but I, I can't be certain, you know? So I think sometimes I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I believe these are my intentions, you know, so I just try to stay with my intentions and my values. And I think that is what really forms my expectations.
0: So, you know, we have been talking earlier about service to others, like, you know, also you wanting to be in service. You kind of just do that and contribute to the world in your way, in Nakina Komartis' way. What do you think your contributions have been to other people and to the world?
1: Um, I think this is an amazing question. I think I connected and contributed to those actually who for that time and that season I was supposed to. And so I think I was able to connect and contribute to those who I truly was meant to connect with. I mean, I think I would do myself a disservice, I think, to think, You know, I moved worlds, but I did have an impact on one person. So I think I start looking at few versus the mass, who were those individuals or those moments that I did share um, and how that shifted someone's consciousness or their mindset or added value to maybe the way that they will forever interact maybe with someone who comes from my background, um, someone who is young. I actually had an experience, a few uh, as many experiences or conversations on the train, or at um, one specifically was actually with a colleague. She was very young, um, 19 years old, just graduated, just came aboard at um, at bestseller and she was wavering and. Her, what her perhaps purpose could be, or if she should be there or not there, but through the the time of um, her being there, she gravitated towards me. You know, we and we just continuously engaged in conversation. And one of the last things she stated to me actually was like, "I had never met anyone like you," or to express. The things that you've expressed to me, but just in our conversations alone, you helped me to learn something about me that I didn't even know. And thereafter, after that moment, she ended up making a decision that shifted her from actually working at the company, but shifted her into the next thing that she really wanted to do. For me, I look at those moments. Um I don't believe in, you know, coincidences. I actually think everything is quite divine, mm-hmm. divinely ordered. Um I think I met you intentionally and for a purpose and for a reason and maybe it could be for a season. I don't know, but I think about everyone that I've encountered in that time frame. I think about how they've added value to me and I think of how they've helped me to stretch myself. So even in that way of maybe saying something that challenged something within me, my know, my own knowing of myself, because I'm constantly, like I said, evolving there. Because my truths today may, may well be very different on tomorrow. Because every hour, every second, you know, we're learning something new. You, you
0: actually, in this train, you know, this, the colleague that you were talking about, a 19-year-old girl in Denmark, you actually shifted her with the conversations you guys had together.
1: You know, that's what I'm taking away Yeah, from yeah. Her, her comments.
0: Mm-hmm. It reminds me to um, what Oprah one day said. She said, like, you know, she opened a school in South Africa for young girls to give them a chance to study and develop themselves. And then she, when she opened the school, she went to her very good friend, or she calls her a mentor, with you know the latest MyAngelo, and she said like, "Yes, this is my legacy. You know, this is really my legacy. What I have done, I opened this school, and I will just give children or o- girls chance to study and to develop, to develop leadership." And then MyAngelo says, "We talked about this. Like, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no." no your legacy is not only this your legacy is can you s- finish the sentence nakina your legacy is what did
1: she say um pretty much dr maya angelou was speaking to your legacy is every life that you touch
0: yeah. um yeah
1: so yeah it's such a powerful it's a powerful way to look at at everything i really like the
0: answer that you gave because i asked you what do you think your contribution was you know different for the people that were open to receive it. You know, you have to be open for it, of course. So for sure, you have uh, left Denmark and went back to the States in Florida and you started the the sustainable shift. So what are you trying to shift in people Mm -hmm. in the world with the sustainable shift?
1: So, um, yeah, shortly after my time um, leaving Denmark, and after actually that moment, I realized that my space and presence in this this life is actually like best used um, in a space where, you know, I can help impact the lives by number one, with my passion in fashion, but not only fashion, but my additional love for sustainability. And so making sure that, you know, we aren't impacting um, our environment at a cost for something that um, can be alleviated or found with other objects, which hints to my love for secondhand fashion or vintage fashion, reusing and reducing um, to ensure, you know, a better livelihood for not only us today, but those who will come after us tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So my higher ambition for, um, and really, I don't know if it's ambition, but my desire and my intent actually for a sustainable shift um, was really to help shift awareness and our thinking um, and our relationship with fashion to ensure a way that we could help to reduce um, textile waste. And I think it, you know, my vision now is is actually bigger than just the one company because I started with thinking that Sustainable Shift um, was going to be solely a resale company for those who wanted to buy amazing um, items. And now I'm realizing that really, Keena, you're wanting to birth a conglomerate of various passions that add to the mission to sustain wardrobes, lives, and communities around the world. Mm Um, And in that respect, I'm now reorganizing um, sustainable shift um, and what that will look like, which will be now focused around, you know, the reuse Um, after COVID-19. And I think we're not even really after, but we're in the midst of COVID-19 right now. Mm -hmm. It's given me more time to rethink and reassess. And like I talked about earlier, getting in alignment with really like intent. And my intent has always been one to wanna help um, the wardrobes in a way like either repairing. So I do alterations, um, focusing on creating or repurposing. Um, so I wanna focus on upcycling. So I think sustainable shift will not only just be resale, but it will encompass or consist of, you know maybe some alterations and repurposing of um, fashions in your wardrobe. Um, and in addition to that, in, hind, uh, in sight actually, of COVID-19 and um, making reusable um, face masks for some of the the frontliners and also communities and individuals, you know, I've had the honor to do that. And it truly, like I said, it's been an honor to know that a gift and a talent that I learned at 12 um, and my joy for product development, which has later been enhanced, um, from my time actually as a fashion buyer a strategic buyer, it now has given me the chance to offer that as another offering on yeah. the site, um, and now that has birthed something else, which will be um, a future sewing program or quilting program called Sew for a Cause. Wow. Um, because wow. I think so. I think in anything, what I can share for, you know, that listener that is out there. Truly, it is alignment. Truly, it is, you know, getting um, getting in alignment with your, your intentions, your motives, what it is that you truly want to contribute and offer. You know, for me, I'm learning that when I get in my place of stillness, that is my moment where I become much more centered, much more not reliant on the ideas or thoughts or the projections or yeah, the projections of others. Um, And of course, I'm constantly in a place where I am praying and seeking um, higher information about what the next best step is, right, for anything that I'm wanting to put out. And so I'm learning that you just have to continue to be courageous Mm -hmm. um, in what it is that you do know that you know how to do. Because there's, there's nobody that knows how to do what you know how to do better than You know how to do it. (laughs) And so. Can you you repeat that one more time? There is. (laughs) It's a tongue twister. But I'm learning that you have to double down on the knowing of what you do know how to do and just get about the business of doing that because there's nobody that knows how to do what you know how to do better than you knowing how to do what you know how to do. Um, that's the secret sauce that I'm just now learning and not just learning, but really walking in because I think there are things that we know, but we don't practice. And so I'm actively right now trying to put that in like practice at a higher gear, um, in this space of entrepreneurship, which is quite new for me. Um, but it is the thing that You know, that is a part of my intention is to, you know, birth the business that, like I said, services others, the community, um, the world um, from a place that doesn't impact our environment. Um, And so I, I hope to do that one day. That's what I'm about. That's the business that I'm about. I'm about that business to also help create that awareness in others so that they are aware. So that's where I'm at
0: how can people get in touch with you or see or buy the vintage clothing that you have bought all over the world and, you know, the sewing course uh, courses that you're offering and other things that you're doing about uh, having a much more sustainable world. How, where, where can they find you?
1: Uh, so right now most are finding me um, on Instagram, um, which is at Nikina Cromarty. And that's N A K E N A C R O M A R T I E. I love
0: it that your spell is here.
1: Thank you. <laughs> um, so you can find me there as well. Um, I have started the Instagram account also for a uh, sustainable shift. And that is at the sustainable shift. Um, and right now, So For a Cause is so new. That I'm almost like, should I even be speaking about it? But um, it's so fresh and so new. But that you can just follow at Nakina Cromarty right now so that when I do um, start creating more content and material for that, you'll be able to find that. Um,
0: can you give us a teaser, a little teaser about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so right thing? now. Um, right now, actually, I will have my first virtual um, class. On Monday, June 1, um, with an organization, actually it's a summer camp, who came across me while I was producing the reusable face mask. Um, yeah. And so they reached out, and now they are wanting me to express and teach um, youth um, also the advantages of this skill set, but also from an entrepreneurial perspective. So, taking, like I said, what you already know how to do and bringing that to a place um, when you get an alignment to a place where it can perha- perhaps or produ- um, potentially produce, um, you know, some financial um, offerings. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, and there have been since then a couple of programs that have been now um, reaching out. So it's slowly but surely um is, is this like
0: for only, is this only for the people in the States or also people
1: in Europe, so right now what I'm thinking high level, that's why I say I s still so fresh. Um, I know that this will be um, something that I want to do on a global scale and offer you know virtual um, sewing basics because I think that's also the root of um, alleviating fast fashion um, in a way, is to help equip individuals um, with the skill sets or these essential knowings, um, know-hows to, uh, you know, repair clothing. So I want to offer that from a virtual perspective. So that would help it be um, to to meet the needs of a global audience. So, yeah, so I I just, I believe in great things coming, you know, it's just the process, right? Um, The beginnings of developing something, like I said, that you're believing in, but you can't fully see it just yet, but you're still getting a taste of it, right? So that's where I'm at.
0: And Akina, I loved talking so much to you. As I said, like, it's like honey in my warm milk. It was so, so, so nice. We are almost coming to an end. So is there a last thing that you would like to share with us?
1: I know that I've spoken on many, many things. um, Because I love the topic of, you know, developing and self and, Trying to understand us because I think we are some interesting folks, right? Um, all of us—we are quite eclectic, and um, but we're quite beautiful all at the same time. And I think as I'm learning more about myself and the art of who self is, that's the thing that I want to just share with everyone. You know, getting on that journey to continuously want to or being willing to do the work within so that, you know, one day you can, or just not even one day, every day, because every day we meet someone, you can continue to contribute um, to their life. And so in a way that's edifying and nourishing, in a way to build people up. And I think if anything, that's what I want to offer people. um, is just that that invitation to continue to do um, the self-work that, life requires us to do to continue to you know be able to value it um in a way that we leave it all on the table (laughs) you know when we walk away um when this life is over i want to know that i valued it in a way that aligned with who i am and the things that i value and so that's what i want to extend
0: thank you so much nakina i have enjoyed this so much I I appreciate your time, your energy, everything, all your contribution that you have had on bridging. And I really hope to see you next time more on the entrepreneurial part. Thank you so much for joining me and joining us. Thank you, Özlem. And um, thank
1: you for creating um, Bridging.
0: Bridging is a podcast produced by me, Özlem Özkan. If you have enjoyed listening to Bridging, please rate it on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe or even better, tell a friend. Your support will make a huge difference. Thank you so much for listening.